Now, as you turn there to 1 Timothy chapter 1, also Luke chapter 2, uh, maybe in years past, some of us have to maybe think a little bit further back than most, or, uh, but come, can you bring to memory, maybe when you were a kid, uh, some of you that was not so long ago, some of you that was not so long ago either, it's okay, um, but, or maybe your kids, but there was something you really wanted for Christmas, something that you really wanted for Christmas. Um, I, I, re- I have 13, I think, nieces. Uh, I've, I've lost count, 13 nieces. I think I have five or six nephews. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I, they, they, I, I thought I had the number, and then I start to think about it, and it's like it goes out of my mind right when I come up here. But I think I'm, I think I'm right on that. Um, but the, I remember before I got married, I was over at um, my youth pastor's house, who's now my, my brother-in-law. We were having, uh, I forget exactly why we were there. I think he might have been even at my pastor's house, and I was there. But I remember his, his daughters, uh, about six years old, maybe eight years old, uh, the two oldest ones. They were going through a Toys R Us magazine. And they were, I was, they were really studying that, and it was fun for me to watch uh, them go through that. And they put it down, and I went over to look at what they were looking at, and there was about 50 pages in there, and on each page they had at least two or three things circled with their initials right next to it, kind of a hint to mom and dad what they would want for Christmas. Uh, I remember one year for me, um, it was this, this commercial that I saw on TV, and um, we don't have the TV anymore. We, all we do is read the Bible at our house. So that was before. No, I'm just, I'm just messing. But I saw this commercial on TV. And uh, it was this Air Hog remote control airplane. And uh, the commercial was so cool, right? Little Johnny got out there and he threw it so perfectly and he flew it around and it was soaring through the clouds and through the sky and all the birds were jealous of this airplane. It was soaring higher than above them. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, so I'm seeing this, and man, that's something I really want to get for Christmas. So I told my parents, and um, I, don't, I don't remember this often, but I remember this year at this Christmas that I was, think I was, I was either eight or nine years old. We were still living in Alabama, but we went up to vacation um, uh, Thanksgiving where my grandmother is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we were there visiting, and there was a Radio Shack nearby. How many of you remember the old Radio Shacks? Yeah, they're, they're non-existent now. But as a kid, eight and nine-year-old, that was a cool store to go to. And uh, I remember we got up for Black Friday shopping. I never understood it, uh, except that time it was okay for me to be there for that one. But uh, we were going to go get a great deal on this airplane. And the, the deal was we could get it, but uh, had to wait till Christmas to open it up. So I remember a day or two after Christmas, my dad was on Christmas uh, vacation, and we decided to go and fly this airplane. Of course, like the memory of this commercial is coming to my mind, and I'm going to be so popular now, everybody's going to love me, and I'm going to get my pilot's license after this. All this is just coming to my mind. And we go out to our school property there in Huntsville, Alabama, Calvary Baptist Academy, and there was just flat ground, and we came up with a plan. We opened it up there, and my dad's, we would pull it out, it says instructions. Of course, we threw that away. Nobody reads that, so we threw that away, and we got the plane all ready to go, and we came up with a plan. Okay, the building's over here, playground's over here, nothing's in that field over there. We're going to fly it this way, just in case it doesn't fly like we thought it would. And so I don't even need to tell you the end of the story because many of you probably could have the same testimony. But I, again, so excited. My dad throws that airplane. I got the remote control. And that thing went right to the ground 
nosedived. If you've ever been in the south, they don't have dirt there. They have like brick for the ground. It's red clay. And that thing hit the ground and it exploded into a million pieces. And just like the video we saw a little while ago, I don't even think it lasted eight seconds. But all of a sudden, my dreams and my hopes were all crushed in an instance. Uh, maybe some of you had the kind of the same story with uh, some Christmas gifts that you received. It didn't last very long. I remember there was a, another Christmas that we had. There was this uh, store that was opening up in our town. Of course, they're all over the place, but that was the, this was the first one to our town. PetSmart was the, was the store. Yeah, we went to the grand opening, and their ad that they had for their grand opening was they were going to have goldfish for 25 cents. And so I, I, I knew I could come up with 25 cents, so I stole some money from my parents. And I had a quarter, maybe two, I can't remember, but I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get myself a goldfish. And so I found my glass tank that I had a lizard once upon a time in, and uh, I got that ready to go, so this is where my goldfish is gonna live. And uh, we went there, and now that I'm a little bit older, I realized I, this should have been a red flag. But while we were in the line for this grand opening, they came out and said, good news. Though no longer a quarter, we're selling them for a penny each. Again, that should have been a red flag, but is, I, now what's in my mind? I'm getting 25 goldfish. So I did. I got 25 goldfish and uh, got home, and uh, I think YouTube might have been in existence. I didn't know about it, but I didn't YouTube how to put fish into a tank. I just thought you get the glass tank, fill it up with some sink water and you just dump 25 goldfish into the tank. I didn't know anything about a filter, didn't know anything about balancing the water, and um, if you can imagine, uh, the next 24 hours, we held 25 fish funerals at our house. And uh, it was towards the end there, at first it was sad, but towards the end, my, uh, we were placing bets on which one was going to, I was not. My two sisters, they were doing that. I was not doing that. But uh, nonetheless, my hopes and dreams were crushed instantly. I thought I was going to have this cool uh, fish collection. I, I guess I did, but uh, I could have kept them all. That would have been gross. But uh, it was, nonetheless, it wasn't what I was expecting. Have you ever had something like that in life where you were expecting something and your hopes and your dreams were just crushed because your expectations were too high? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. I'd like to read this verse. We'll come back to it in just a little bit. But uh, just to get our, our minds started where we're going here this morning. I didn't tell those stories just to, to tell them we're going somewhere with it. But 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners of whom I am chief. Here we got Paul writing to Timothy saying, hey, this is a, Jesus Christ. He came into this world to save sinners. And by the way, side note here, I'm the biggest sinner of them all. Uh, no doubt I could probably claim this for, for my life verse. Uh, many times I feel like, I, I said this before, I used to tell people I'm, a, I'm the worst sinner. Uh, but I'm, sometimes I do it so much, sometimes I think I might be the best sinner because uh, I do it so much. But I am chief of sinners. Uh, one of the most beloved Christmas songs of, uh, in our history, uh, we don't take time to sing it in church, but uh, you've heard of it, I'm sure, White Christmas. It was written uh, for a 1940 movie, Holiday Inn, starring Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. And when Bing first heard the, Ber uh, the, the Berlin audition, the song in 1941, he had reassured Irving that he had created a winner. Uh, Bing's preliminary evaluation turned out to be a vast understatement. White Christmas, a song of peace and yearning for the ones we used to know, was released to a war-torn public during the darkest days of World War II. By the end of the war, it had become the biggest-selling single of all time. White Christmas sold more than 30 
million copies worldwide and was recognized as the best-selling single in any music category for more than 50 years. You know, it's, uh, it's at this time of year that a lot of people have joy, uh, or preachers and people that get to, you know, to, to talk about the joys of Christmas. Uh, now, that, that song that was written there, it's a, it's a beautiful song, you know, and all that, but that is not what Christmas is all about. There's a lot of other things that we can look at. Uh, we'll look at a few things this morning, but there is there's a beauty, there's a beauty behind Christmas. Uh, I, I joke about this. I, I, I do. I love snow. I love looking at it. I don't like being in it. I don't like shoveling it. Uh, but there's a, there's a beautiful, uh, there's something beautiful about coming out on Christmas morning and there's a snow on the ground. Um, everybody is uh, cheerful and joyful until they open up their presents and realize they didn't get what they wanted maybe, or maybe that's just our house. Uh, but even with the busyness and stresses of the holiday season, really, honestly, most people, I know there's some people that always are going through hard times, most people, it's a very joyous, beautiful time. Uh, you think about the Christmas cards and the Christmas parties and the Christmas carols that are sung, what a beautiful time. And that's no doubt, that's one side of Christmas. Uh, but without putting too much of a damper on the service this morning and in this Christmas season, we have to admit and we have to stop and we have to realize that there is another side of Christmas, a very ugly side of Christmas. And there's a lot of ways that we can approach that. If I said there is an ugly side of Christmas, maybe in your mind you're thinking of some of the things that steal away uh, some things from Jesus Christ. Maybe you're thinking of Santa Claus or the Grinch or all these other things or going and getting a gift and getting in line and everybody's getting mad with one another. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. But uh, we could talk about uh, that, that um, night over 2,000 years ago. It was a dark, cold night in a... Uh, in a, a little town called Bethlehem, where a, uh, a virgin was, uh, b- b- gave birth to a, a little baby. But you think about the conditions of where they were. They were really in a nasty, unsanitary place, uh, probably standing in filth and in, man- in manure, uh, in a, just a little stable. Um, that could be a, maybe an ugly side of Christmas. But I'll tell you this, we could talk about even the ugliness of a man named Herod. Everybody feared, feared him because he was fearful of his loss of control and, and power. He started killing babies. Uh, and you think about the population in Jerusalem, totally, totally indifferent to what God was doing. Uh, or think about the religious leaders who, during that time, they quickly, they quickly began to uh, hate their own Messiah. They missed it. There was an ugly side of Christmas. Yes, Christmas does have some very ugly aspects, but there's something even uglier than all of those things. Behind every Christmas card, behind every Christmas tradition, behind every church service during the Christmas season, there's something that's called sin. Sin is the ugliness of Christmas. This is the, uh, the ugly, dark sign of Christmas. The ugly sign of Christmas is sin, but the heart of Christmas is this, that Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Christ was manifest to take away our sin, and, and you know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. I, there's sin in me. I am the ugly side of Christmas. The real beauty of Christmas is to understand the ugliness that it cures. It's because of sin that there's tears. It's because of sin there's pain. It's because of sin that there's war, there's fighting, there's anxiety. It's because of sin that there's discord in in families and in relationships. It's because of sin that there is unrest and fear and worry. It's because of sin that there's sickness. Because of sin there's death. It's because of sin there's famine, there's earthquakes, there's catastrophes. It's because of sin. All of those things which mar our existence are the direct result 
of what? Sin. Sin disturbs, sin disrupts every human relationship. There's going to be some sin that hinders that relationship, whether it's between man and man or man and God. Sin separates. Someone once wrote this. They said, sin has turned beauty into deformity, and the wicked takes more care to have his sin covered than cured. Now, if I can just talk to those that have asked Christ in your heart, I hope that's not said of us, but how many times do we more, we're more fearful of what people are going to find out about us than, what we're more, than our fear of what our sin is doing to a heavenly father, to a holy God. Mankind is much more prone to excuse their sin than they are to examine it. It's not that big of a deal. This person over here, we need to examine ourselves. The Bible teaches us, let us examine Examine ourselves. So it's fitting at this time of year that when men would cover their sin with the beauty of Christmas, that just this brief moment that we take a look at the ugliness that's behind it all, and that is my sin. Christ was born to be the Savior who came to deliver men from their sin. Let's take a moment and we'll pray, and then we'll get into the introduction and then the message. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just speak to hearts directly. Lord, please help the message to be well-received. Help it to be your words, not mine. Lord, I pray as we look through the scripture, Lord, I pray we apply these things to our lives directly. Bless those that, um, Lord, maybe are discouraged today. I pray you'd encourage them. Lord, I pray for those that are seeking hope, helping them to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Help during this season for us to pause and to ponder what the reason for the season, Jesus Christ, coming to this earth to save sinners of whom I am chief. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Talking about... Sin. Sin is personal. Sin is personal. For God so loved the world, yes, he came and he saved the whole world, but there has to come a time in your life that you have understood and you have realized and you have recognized your sin has separated you from a holy God because of your sin, not because of your father's sin, not because of grandpa, because of your sin. Sin is personal. Uh, a newspaper editorial once wrote in a paper, what is wrong with this world? How many of you ever found yourself asking that question? What is wrong with this world? Someone wrote in, this is what they said, two words, I am. I am. It's my sin is what's wrong with this world. My sin. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, maybe you've used this before, but it's, maybe you can see if you can uh, finish it for me. That sounds too good to be true. You know what? My, our message here at Harvest Baptist Church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. It is so true, and it is more than just good. It is a message of hope. It is so good, and it is so true. Uh, as we get into this, this season, you know, we're uh, going to the Christmas season, into the new year. I, I know that there's different debates that we can get into for, for this, but I don't think it's a bad practice to at least set up some goals uh, personally, maybe as a family, uh, spiritually. Uh, physically, uh, financially, to try to shoot for something in the new year, to try to get, get some things maybe back on track. And I don't know about you, but January is always the month that I restart my diet. And uh, maybe it doesn't last very long, but January 1st, it's a good time to maybe start a diet. I was talking to some people this last week about diet and exercise. It's like, man, I'm getting to that age now where I actually have to think what is this? And then when you start to read the labels, you realize they are killing me is what they're trying to do. Um, but a man was reading about an all-you-can-eat diet. You can eat all that you want, and you'll still lose weight. So I clicked on this. That sounds like the diet that I want to be on. I've told you about the diets my wife has tried, right? You, like, you get to lick some dirt for breakfast. 
you look at a picture of chicken for lunch, and then you draw a picture of what you want to eat for, and then you still only lose one pound a, a month. But uh, this guy, he was looking at this all-you-can-eat diet, and you lose some weight. And I said, there's got to be a catch. Here was the catch. You had to run a minimum of seven miles a day. I wanted to say, nobody's got time for that. Um, I, I, and so I said, nope, that's not the diet for me. And I've said this before. You pray for me in January. I'm going to try to go for some goals, get back to my original weight. Eight pounds, six ounces is what we're shooting for. But um, <laughs> anyways. But sin is personal. That's why Joshua 7 talks about how it's a, a cursed thing. Did you know that in Scripture, sin is compared to the venom of snakes? Now, how many of you don't like snakes. That should be everybody's hand. You know why? Because that's the devil. Okay, we shouldn't like the devil. If you have a pet snake, we'll pray for you. That's, that's just crazy, all right? Um, I've known some people that have a pet snake, and they're like, oh, I have no idea where they're at. So, See you later. I'm not coming back. Um, but sin is compared to a venomous snake. It's compared to the stench of a grave. And anything that is sinister and powerful, uh, that's, that's that um, disgusting, it has to be dealt with. God, who was infinite, holy, to bring himself to man, it has to be dealt with. And thus, Christ came into this world to deal with sin. So we can't look at Christmas and celebrate just all the, the wonderful things that maybe we could get distracted about. We have to understand the heart of it is this, the ugliness of my sin, the ugliness of sin. A couple introductory thoughts here. What is sin? First uh, John 3, 4 puts it very clearly. Sin is transgression of the law. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is, this is what it is, lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Can you imagine, can you imagine if, well, it could, could, maybe we can't imagine this, but can you imagine if we all of a sudden, we just, in this today, this society, which is going that way, we just said no more rules, no more stoplights, uh, no more speed limits, uh, you could do whatever you want. Oh my goodness, there would be chaos. There's already chaos, but there would be more chaos. You got to have some, some more, but sin is lawlessness. It is living as if there were no God, no law, no authority, no standard. And people, people still try to live like that today. hope that's not said of us as Christians to not even worry about what he has for us. It denies the reality of God's law. That's what sin is. It says God is not in charge. I'm in charge. It's selfishness. It's, setting, it's saying, I'm, I'm above God. And we look at the example of those that uh, pride creeps into their life and what, how God deals with that. Sin is lawlessness. What is sin like? What is sin like? The Bible tells us many things of what sin is like. We talked about a few already, but sin is defiling. It's defiling. It's literally what, uh, what rust is to precious metal. It's what uh, scars are to a lovely face. It's what stain is to a sick silk cloth. What is sin like it defiles us. First Kings eight talks about the sin of man's heart is compared to oozing sores and a, and a deadly plague. Zechariah talks about it, uh, how we're compared. It's compared to, compared to filthy garments. Zechariah also tells us that God hates. Uh, he hates the the sin. And according to Ezekiel twenty, that when the sinner hates or sees his own sin, it makes him hate himself. Um, sin is defiling. Sin will bring you pleasure for a season, but sin is destructive. Sin will always hold the hand of another sin. Sin is lawlessness. lawlessness. Sin is defiling. Sin is defiant. Sin is literally clenching your fist and punching Christ right in the face. Sin is putting that nail in his hand. Sin is putting that crown of thorns on his head, uh, putting that spear in his side. That is what sin is. Sin is saying, I will do what I want to do. I don't care what the Lord has for me. Sin is literally saying, you know what, as a Christian, Jesus, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but 
push you off to the side. I'm going to do this because in him there is no sin. And when we choose to sin, it's because we are choosing selfishness over, over what Christ wants. Sin is ungrateful. Acts 17 teaches us in him we live and move and have our very being. Without God, we wouldn't be here. Sin is ungrateful. Sin is gross. Uh, it's ingratitude because it seeks to dethrone and destroy the one who gave us all that we have. Sin is ungrateful. But that is the very nature of sin. Some of this is review this morning. But if you're like me, sometimes because of I'm so familiar to something, I can overlook it. This is what thy sin is to a holy God. Sin is hated by God. Sin is the only thing. Think about this. Sin is the only thing that God has an eternal hatred against. Because of our sin, there was a, an eternal separation. Sin is empty. Sin is empty. It might seem full for a little bit, but no, it is empty. When I was in North Carolina, I had the privilege to go into uh, the jails and have Bible studies every single week. And if I could be a little bit honest with you, the first time I went in there, I was scared to death. Uh, I knew that what they were in there for, I was glad of the setup. <laughs> they were on that side, I was on this side. But I, the first time I went in there, uh, they're saying all this stuff that I would never even try to repeat and trying to scare me. And I'm telling you what, I was trying not to get too close because I literally, I'm not exaggerating, I could hear my heart beating out of my chest. I was so nervous. Uh, and I was thankful, that was when I was especially thankful for the word of God. I got something that is sure, something that is, uh, that is bold, and Christ gives the boldness. But I was telling this to these guys, and it resonated with them. I said, what if somebody came in right now and said, hey, charges are lifted, it's been paid for, you don't have to serve your sentence, you are free to go. And many of them were like, I wouldn't even wait till you were at the end of your sentence. I would have been at the door, I would have been out. I said, okay, but think about this. Before you left, what if you told all of your cellmates and your friends and coworkers uh, here today, what if, what if you told them, hey, don't touch any of my stuff. Don't touch my bed. Don't touch my books. Don't touch my food. I'm going to be back tomorrow. And uh, they're like, you're crazy. Why do we ever think that? You know what, Christian? That's me sometimes with my sin. Christ saved me from that jail cell, paid in full. And what did I do the, the next day? I go back to that jail cell, and I think this is going to fulfill me. No, sin is, sin is empty like a jail cell. Sin is empty. This is the ugliness of Christmas. But thank God it ultimately brings us to the point of its beauty because the beauty of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. No matter what you think and uh, no matter what, where you've been, whatever it is, the case may be, Jesus Christ is willing to save you. He's more than willing. You have to call and believe and receive him today. Uh, let me just say it this way. If you don't have Christ in your life, you really don't have any connection to what Christmas is all about. But you can have it because Jesus Christ came to save you. Luke chapter 2, let's jump over there. Luke chapter 2, as you're turning there, I'd like to read 1 Timothy 1 one more time here, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all the acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In Luke 2, we find the Christmas story. I, I won't, won't take time to go into all of it this morning, uh, but probably... <laughs> No doubt the greatest story that ever has been told, Luke chapter 2 here. And it came to pass, verse number 1, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David." 
to be taxed with Mary, his spouse, wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What a wonderful story that we could continue to read through here. And I will uh, encourage those that maybe haven't done this before. I hope that you'll take time to read the whole chapter of Luke chapter 2, especially during this Christmas season. Read it with your kids. Read it with your family. Uh, But I'd like to just make a couple applications, and we'll be done in just a moment. Number one, what's the beauty of Christmas? The beauty of Christmas is this. Jesus Christ, he cleans up the dirty. He cleans up the dirty. Think about this. His presence transformed that stable into a beautiful nursery. He came in and a child was born. We sing some of these Christmas songs that sometimes are so familiar we go right over it, but one of these songs that we sing is, there's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer and a baby's low cry, and the star rains its fire while the beautiful sing, for the manger of Bethlehem cradles a king. Think about how he came in. He came in so humble and he came in and he cleans up the dirty. Our hearts are dingy, dark, dirty hearts, but Christ offers to be born in our heart today. Uh, we sing it in that song of O Little Town of Bethlehem, verse number four. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Christ said in his word, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Are you getting this this morning? There's an ugliness of Christmas, and that's me, but the beauty of Christmas is Jesus Christ. What he came in to give, uh, to give us the precious gift of eternal life through his blood sacrifice, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, the, the peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We can be reconciled with Christ because of what he did. He came in and he cleans up the dirty. Number two, not only does he clean up the, the dirty, but he lifts up the lowly. He lifts up the lowly. His presence transformed that stable into a palace. A king had been born. Think again with me. Why would a, the king of kings want to be born in this little town of Bethlehem? If you could try to quickly turn over to Micah chapter 5, I want you to see this verse. Micah chapter number 5, we'll look at verse number 2 here. Micah, an Old Testament book here. Uh, a prophecy that had, why was he born in the little town of Bethlehem? Well, look at verse 2 of Micah chapter 5. It says this, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, as to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. A prophecy that had to be fulfilled is when he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, just a gathering place for shepherds. Bethlehem, just a small little town, not well known. You see there in Micah 5.2, we don't necessarily refer to it like that, but back then, uh, that was what they called it, Bethlehem Ephrata, because there was, so, there was another town of Bethlehem. Nobody knew which town, uh, you know, the, how to differentiate, but today we can say that there is definitely something different about that Bethlehem, where Jesus Christ came and he lifts up the lowly, now probably, no doubt, the most significant towns in all of this world is where Jesus Christ was born. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. He cleans up the dirty. He lifts up the lowly. I think, again, that Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I chief. You stop and you think about where would we be without Jesus Christ? We'd have nothing to celebrate. We'd have no hope. We'd have no joy. But because of him, he gives us, he gives us all that we ever need, and that's eternal life. The King of kings can come and dwell in your heart by faith 
and transform that dark and dingy and empty heart into a palace. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Not only does he clean up the dirty, he lifts up the lowly. Number three, number three, he is worthy of all of our worship. He is worthy of all of our worship. Here's where we get to the meat of the message. But his presence transformed a house into a temple. You think about two years later when he was at the place and the wise men came and they presented him gifts and they worshiped him there in his house. It became a place of worship. He transforms our hearts and our homes into temples. His presence transforms. You know, uh, I always, I I love coming to this place. This is a, this is a church, but you realize this is just a building. A church is a group of people. It's not, it's not a building, but this place, this building gets turned into a place of worship every single week because of what Jesus Christ has done. His presence transforms this place into a place of worship. His presence transforms your house, your life into a tabernacle. His presence transforms your purposeless existence into life, into life, everlasting life. His presence transforms sinners into saints. Uh, As we saw yesterday, funerals into celebrations, defeats into victories, hopelessness into hope. That's what Jesus Christ does. Don't forget about the ugliness of Christmas, but let's not forget about the beauty of Christmas. Please turn here one more place. Uh, We might go one more other place. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to see this verse. Definitely a a verse that maybe all of us have memorized at one point, but Isaiah chapter 9, we'll look at verse number 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Let you turn there. Says this, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Look at all of those names. Those aren't adjectives, those are who he is. That is who he is. Uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In closing, I'd like to say this. Consider why he came. We've been talking about this morning. If I can ask you this morning for an answer, why did he come? Because my sin. He came because of my sin. Consider when he came. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. At the right time, at the perfect time, Jesus Christ came into this world. Uh, You think about today, but you also think about back then during that time. There was some dark, dark days in those times, and I'm sure sometimes maybe some maybe even wonder, is God even, is he even sending his son? God's timing is always perfect. It was a time of government control. It was some dark days with some evil rulers. Everyone had to be counted. The government was keeping track of everything. Sounds a little familiar. Um, King Herod was slaughtering babies. Mary had a long journey on a donkey during a difficult time for her. Um, I I tell my wife every day, I'm so glad the Lord made me a man. I can't imagine um, giving birth or anything like that. There's a reason God chose women, because we wouldn't be here anymore if it was up to, the, up to men. But uh, ladies, I'm sure you could attest, testify, those that had kids, being on a donkey, great with child, is not a wonderful place to be. But God used all this negative time to get Jesus to be born 
in Bethlehem. In the midst of all the darkness, the brightest light was born into this world. What a wonderful time that it was. It was some dark days, but what a beautiful, beautiful thing it was. God's timing is always perfect. Not only consider why he came or who he was, uh, and, but next, consider who he is that came. We looked at that. You're still there in Isaiah chapter 9, but wonderful, wonderful. He is my everything. He is my everything. This is, again, this isn't an adjective. This is his name used uh, here. He's, he's, uh, Matthew says, no man knoweth the son but the father. He was wonderful. And the people still really don't even know it today. And I'm fearful that some Christians uh, almost use him as just fire insurance or get their ticket punched. Says, okay, I'm good on my heaven. But they never experience how wonderful Jesus Christ is. And I'm not saying how he is wonderful. That's his name. He is wonderful. Yeah, there's some dark times. Yeah, there's some things that we can go around the room and say, there's some struggles I'm dealing with right now. But he is wonderful. Uh, the next name that is there is he is wonderful. He is counselor. Get this. He understands everything, and he cares about everything. Pour your heart out to him. Uh, the, the, the Bible tells us in Romans that Christ has been um, has made, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities and all points tempted as we are. The next time that you're struggling with a sin, he was tempted in all points, like yet without sin. Now, he's not just a counselor, like giving you it. He, he's been there, he's done that, and he was victorious. He was victorious, he was perfect, and um, you could even, you can, isn't it amazing, you could go to Jesus Christ and you can say, I know that you know what I'm dealing with because you came here, but you were victorious. Help me only with the blood of Jesus Christ and your power. Give me the power over the sin that's in my life. Next word there, the mighty God, the mighty God. We sing this song with our kids, right? God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but what? Fail. He'll never fail. God can do anything. He'll always, uh, he can do anything. He's the one to whom all power is given, Matthew 28 says. He has all the power. The next word there is the, or the name is the everlasting father. He will always be there. Colossians tells us he is the creator of all things. Uh, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether be, they be by thrones or principalities or power. He is before all things. He is the everlasting father. The everlasting Father, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That last name there in Isaiah 9, 6, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. This gives me peace. This gives me assurance. In the quietness and the confidence, he is our strength. He is our strength. You've heard it said many times here. No Jesus, N-O Jesus, no peace, N-O. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. You will not experience what Christmas is all about. You won't experience any of these names until you've come to a point where you realize the ugliness of Christmas is my sin. He came here to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I, it is personal. My sin personally separated me from a holy God. And what Jesus Christ came in this Christmas season, he made a way. He came at the perfect time. There could be no peace in this earth until he is reigning. There could be no peace in our life until he is reigning in your life. In this Christmas season, let's not forget the ugliness of Christmas. It's my sin. But praise God, the beauty of Christmas that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for just, Lord, the undeserving gift that you have given upon all men. And Lord, I pray if maybe those that are here today that are struggling have never received this gift of salvation, never personally realized that their sin is personal against the Holy God, never made it personal recognition that their sin has separated them. God, I pray that they'd make a personal decision today. 
to ask Christ to come in their heart and save them from their sins. Repent, Lord, and, re and receive and believe on you. We ask these things uh, as we close the service, Lord. We ask all these things that will be in your honor, your glory, and be with those that need to be encouraged, Lord. I pray that you touch hearts today. We ask these things in your beautiful and precious holy name. Amen.